doesn't matter where you're starting from in this business, whether you've got one property or 150, everybody gets treated the same. There's no hierarchy. Marco, Hadar, and others that are leading this, the most humble people you, you would know. If you saw them at the beach, you wouldn't have any clue about what they're involved in, and I really, really like that. Welcome to The Real Deal, a commercial real estate investing podcast. I'm your host, Aman Shahi. There's a ton going on in the world right now, and much of it impacts real estate investors. The Real Deal podcast will take a look at what's happening and how it influences you as a real estate investor. Each episode is a 20-minute segment dedicated to distilling the day's most important news, so you can stay up to date on what's going on in the world and how it might affect the commercial real estate market. Welcome everybody to another show of Real Deal Podcast. Today we have another guest. His name is Ian. Welcome to Ian's show, Ian. Thanks, Aman. Thank you so much for having me on today. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds to introduce yourself, who you are. Cool. Hey, um, my name is Ian Sharp. I'm based in New Zealand in a small town called Whangarei, 200 kilometers north of Auckland, our biggest city. And uh, yeah, came from England originally. Uh, we didn't have any money when we came here, but I had a burning desire to make things happen in my life and not want to work a 40-hour job for 50 years and retire broke. So I've been reading books for many years and investing for about 15, and I came across investing in the, in the multifamily space about three years ago, and I'm super pumped to be in that. So when you came from England, why did you pick New Zealand to move to New Zealand? Like, why not any other country? I was five years old at the time, and um, my dad got a job um, in New Zealand, in Auckland. So that's the reason why we came out. He was working on a fishing boat, and uh, a lot of people would die. The boats would sink. Um, so it was a very risky um, occupation. And uh, when you came to New Zealand, what kind of challenges you had to face? Like, do you have any, any kind of, like, cultural differences, or it was more like same thing? Well, the biggest thing probably was a lack of money. Back then, the pound was worth um, less than the dollar. So we literally used to clean um, movie theaters in the weekend just to pay rent um, in our house. My dad couldn't read or write. Um, and yeah, and but yeah, I think being a POM, they used to call us POMs, prisoner of Mother England. So there was a bit of a stigma back then about English people coming to New Zealand and uh my dad's, you know, he couldn't read or write when he got here, but he's written two books and he's been a teacher and, and all that. So I, I, I inherited my dad's um, burning desire to keep on going and, and overcome adversity. And what kind of mindset did you grow up with when you talk about, like, you want to make money, you want to invest? And how did you get that kind of mindset from your, from your father? Well, I, I I pretty much got from him. I got the never give up, the perseverance side, but I got no financial literacy from from my parents at all. They were the typical buy a house, work your same job, um, and pay for your mortgage and, and have a little bit of money at the time. But when I started work when I was seventeen years old, um, I looked at the people I was working with, and I looked at the car they, cars they were driving, the holidays they went on, the houses that they lived in. And I thought, if this is going to be me in 10 or 15 years, and it scared the heck out of me. So from a 17-year-old, um, I started reading books like Ogming Dino, you know, and Napoleon Hill, those kind of things, um, just to just to refresh, just to get my mind in the right place. Hey, I was still into partying and, and drinking and, ha and having a great time, but I was feeding this desire, this burning desire inside me that I don't want to settle for the status quo. 
And um, as being an immigrant, did you have any like different mindset from your peers or it was more like, yeah, what you grew up with? Because as most of the times, immigrants have like different mindset, even no matter where, where they go. Well, one thing, I was super grateful to be in New Zealand. Um, one, the weather was better. Um, and it just, it, it just seemed like the land of opportunity. I just felt like, um, you know, we were living in a city in, in Auckland, which relatively very small population. Uh, people would seem really, really positive. It felt like New Zealand was going through a stage where anything was possible. Um, and my dad enjoyed his job. And, uh, and and all that. So I just felt like, yeah, I just, I guess gratefulness, the fact that I was, I'd come from, even though I was five, I've come from a place that um, I felt like there's more opportunities to be in where we were. So I, I didn't take it for granted um, when I was young. But I, saying that, I love love England, still my my birth home. I'm going there in, in six, two months' time after I'm coming to the States. I'm flying over to England for two weeks to see my family and do some sightseeing. So England is still a very big part of my heart. Can you say that? your mindset was developed on based of scarcity i think it was scarcity and fear um yeah and i don't like relying on other people um or, or the government to, to pay me wages or retirement and probably like the states i think the whole retirement thing is going to look a bit different in the next 10 to 15 years so i i don't want to rely on the government or family or anyone to provide my my lifestyle in the future and um, if we talk about real estate or investing, you said you started investing 15 years ago. Where did you start investing? Like what kind of asset class? Uh, single family in, in New Zealand here. It had been on my mind for a number of years to get involved in things. I, I tried other things um, which hadn't been successful in um, and lost some money along the way. Um, but I, I happened to be dating a real estate agent and she, she said to me, uh, this this house, the guy really needs to sell it quickly. Um, I think you should buy. It's a great like it's a great buy. I didn't think anything about yield, location, or, or anything else like that. I just I said yeah, okay. So I I, I bought it um, and uh, I got in there, did some painting myself, tidied up the backyard, and 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 rented it out. And and uh, and then after then I forgot about it. I, you know I just left it along. Oh, I'm a property investor now. You know let's go. You know and it, then. I met my wife and we got married and we thought about having children. I thought, well, I need to be able to provide for our financial future. So that's when I started getting serious. I um, invested money and time in regards to getting educated and investing. I went to some weekend uh, property boot camps uh, and I got a mentor. So all up, I probably spent forty or $50,000 in, in a couple of years. And from that, I got knowledge. But more than that, I got confidence, confidence to actually get out and, and take action. And uh, so I started buying duplexes for the for the cash flow, um, and then I, I was able to refi some deposit out and then put it in, in, into the next property. And then about two years ago, we sold a couple of our houses, and we've got a really nice house out in the country, which is mortgage free. So we paid off those houses to be mortgage free on our own home, but we've got a you guys call it a HELOC. So I have access to funds to to invest in, in other places like the states, etc. So yeah, that's where things are at. And why did you pick us for your next investing place in the real estate great great question um the i'm not sure whether you know much about new zealand in regards to things but it's a very desirable country to, to live in it's it's safe uh, it's, a, it's a long way from pretty much anywhere unless you're a penguin yeah. at, at the south pole um <laughs> 
yeah, and it's that, you know, there's opportunities job-wise. Um, you're not very far from the beach or the mountains to go skiing. You, you, there's reasons why people like Peter Jackson and other people come and film movies here because it, it's basically got everything you need um, here. Um, and I thought, well, I'm pretty much tapped out in New Zealand because the yields are ridiculously low because the house prices here are amongst the highest in the, in the world. So I thought, you know what? Um, that, that's it for me. I've, I've run my race. We're, we're going to live comfortably. We've got some good cash flow coming in, good properties. And then about two, two and a half years ago, I saw a post from my very good friend Hadar um, talking about this MIH um, organization. And I thought, I haven't heard of MIH before. And I've known Hadar for about 15 years. So we, we go way back. I used to see him at a networking property networking group in Auckland. And we've sort of kept in touch and become friends over the over the years, so I reached out to him and said, Hadar, what are you, what's going on in the States and, and everything else? So he told me about the MIH mastermind that him and um, Marco, Barbaro, have put together. And I thought, this this sounds interesting. Can you can I have the phone numbers and the contact details of a couple of people so I can do my own due diligence on this organization? So even though I knew Hadar, I still do everything the right way. And I spoke to a couple of people, one, one in New Zealand and one or two in the States as well. And I was just impressed by their um, demeanor, um, the enthusiasm, and what they had to say about MIH. And uh, so I, I joined up. Initially, I joined up for the financial opportunities that I thought were there, but I'm really here as well because of the relationships that I've, that I've made and that are, that are growing deeper as well. It is a community of go-givers um, and go-getters as well. And it doesn't matter where you're starting from in this business, whether you've got one property or 150 Everybody gets treated the same. There's no hierarchy. Marco, Hadar, and others that are leading this, the most humble people you, you would know. If you saw them at the beach, you wouldn't have any clue about what they're involved in, and I really, really like that. And while investing in the United States, how did you find your first property as a limited partner? Okay, so initially I, I went through the 12-month um, learning program where you each month you've got a set of tasks um, to do, learning tasks, and also calls that you jump on for education. It's a bit like a university, I guess. Um, and, uh, yeah, just get started networking with people, getting to know a bit about the American market, uh, the different lingo that you guys use for, for tax things and, and other things as well. And um, I got to see what Sharpline were doing. So Sharpline are an acquisition slash property management company um, that are associated with with uh, with MIH. And I started seeing the deals that they were taking down, and they're very transparent in regards to the numbers and the reasons why they were buying particular properties. And I thought, well, I'm still in the in the in the, in the end of a of a deep pool. Probably best to start off as an LP just so I can see a little bit of how the system works. So I jumped into one of the, um, the first deals I got into was in Oklahoma. Um, I put 50K US into that one. So I just wanted to get my toes wet just to get a bit of a feel for it and, uh, and learn from that. And then the next year, which was last year, I got put 100K into a Kansas City deal just down the road from the university. And uh, yeah, so now with a couple of LPs under my, under my belt and still a lot of learning to do, uh, I think I've feel like I'm ready now to start being a JV or GP in, in a smaller deal. And as being a, a foreign national, how did you do the proper due diligence by living in a different country? And how hard was that? What kind of implications you had to face? 
Cool, cool. Um, yeah, so obviously I researched the areas myself um, and went on a few websites and, and checked it out. But because I'd also spent about a year um, seeing what Sharpline was doing and obviously the MIH community, I felt very comfortable um, to put some money for Because people can talk about, I'm going to get into this deal, I'm going to do that. But until you've actually transferred the money, it doesn't actually mean much, right? Because you've got you've to step up and, and, and pay that money out. Um, so certainly I wouldn't be investing in the States if I didn't have people over there that, that I knew what they, they knew that they were doing. They'd had a great trick record. Um, they, they had integrity um, and, and all that kind of thing. So they ticked every single box for me. Um, I'm not risk adverse, but I, I check everything. Even before I buy a new toaster, I'll read reviews about it um, and cross-reference it with other models. I, seriously, every, but I, I enjoy that. It's one of the things that I love. So I, I applied the same thing to investing in, in, in the States. And yeah, I'm, I'm super happy, super grateful to be in, in these deals, but it's only the start. You know, if I buy one deal a year, invest one deal a year for 10 years, our life is going to look completely different than it is than it was going, going to look. And um, by living in a different country, what kind of tax implication you had to face before you invest in real estate in the United States? Well, that's, that's a great question, and that's the power of this mastermind. It's like whatever help or questions you have, there's someone that has an answer for you. So I'm using Hadar's accountant in the States, and he just communicates with my accountant here in New Zealand. So it's, it's all all very seamless. And, of course, there's, there's tax to be paid, but it, it balances out. Say if the tax rate completely for me was 40%, I'd maybe pay 20% in the States and 20% in New Zealand. So I'm not paying more tax than I typically would, but it sort of it sort of evens out. So I, I leave the accountants to take, to take care of all that kind of thing. And I just use a, a WISE account and a WISE app, um, and they just transfer the money into my WISE account um, every month from, from Sharpline, which is, which is great. And uh, what kind of, do you still get the like total um, tax benefits that any U.S. national gets as of being a foreign national? So you, do you also get the same kind of tax benefits, right? I get a I get a lot of them. I don't quote me. I don't know whether I get the hundred percent, but um, yeah, there's definitely some advantages for me on on the on the tax side. But for me, the tax side is a bonus. It's a cherry on the top. For me, it's more about um, how soon can we you know stabilize this property? When can we refi it? How can we add value to the tenants so they want to stay longer? So we have better quality tenants. Can we put a dog park in? Can we do rubs? On the on the property, you know, how's our marketing going? How, how can we, you know? So for me, that's that's more important. The tax side is is a nice cherry on the top. You mentioned something called rubs. Can you explain what is rubs? Yeah, the it's an analogy, and it's basically basically getting the tenants to pay for things like the water um, and other services as well, like even like internet and all that kind of thing. Because often buying property, the property management or the the owners of the business are, are paying for all these utilities, and uh, so a great way to add some value to the property and your bottom line is to get the tenants to start paying for some of these things, whether it's putting meters in um, or um, uh, laundry. Um, facilities like dryers and washers and that kind of thing um, and they, they pay for them either by tokens or, or some other way there's often an opportunity to add some add value in that respect so it's not all about renovating repainting and, and, and doing stuff you know there's often a lot of money to be made through getting the tenants to take ownership of other areas as well one of those key things you really need to see what the area is doing as well is if, if rubs are a big thing in that area you can do it but if no one else is doing rubs then you've got to think strategically and it's like how, how else 
how, how can we implement some other ways to add some value? I think Rob's means ratio utility billing system, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. It, That's it, it mate. Yeah. And um, how do you evaluate the risk while investing in US real estate? Well, I don't, like everything's going to have a risk to it, but all you can really do is you minimize the risk. And I think I've minimized it by joining forces with people who've been doing this for a long time, um, high level thinkers, um, people that are transparent. Um, they turn down a lot more deals than they buy. Um, and they, they, they look at everything from a pessimistic point of view and uh, kind of thing, you know, and they don't leave any stone unturned, but also vertical integration as well. Um, and also systems orientated. So they've got systems in place. So no, nothing gets past them and they can check everything before they pull the trigger on going ahead with a particular deal. But I think that not being, not being in a rush to buy property, but being able to act quickly when you've got the right one at the right price. I think that's that's a key thing. You know, it's, it's nice to say, hey, I've got this hundred unit deal, just sign it up, whatever. But okay, what's it look like below this below the hood? You know, what's what's actually going on here? What's the motivation for the sale? Is it in a flood zone? All these other kind of things too. You know, so I'm just super grateful to be amongst um, giants that have been in this a, a long time and have, have got experience. But they never stop learning. You know, they they they're always learning every day and sharing sharing that knowledge. And um, imagine you got presented a deal. What are the top tier factors that you focus on while investing as a limited partner in any syndication? Yeah. Well, obviously, location is going to be. The big one, um, the uh, demographics of that area. What's what new? Um, what businesses are, are building in the area? Where are the universities? Is it on a flood zone? Um, are there rubs? What's the what's the tax um, like in that particular city or that state? Um, what does Hadar and Hun, who's his underwriter, what do they think of of, of the numbers? And uh, yeah, and a whole bunch of other things. But I would only ever invest through people at MIH because I know them, I trust them. And if it's a deal that's good enough for them, it's certainly good enough for me as well. But I, I like to get, I'm not, I don't make a very good spectator. So now that I've done a couple of LPs, I'm, I'm ready to jump in to a smaller JV deal and, and start problem solving myself and um, adding value in an organization, in a, in a small tight group and adding value and, and doing it for our families. And um, how important is a trust in this real estate business while investing as a limited partner? It's, it's the number one. It's the number one thing. Number one. And uh, how, how to build trust with your operator or with your investors? What, how do you evaluate that? Well, get get on a call with them for, for a start. Um, listen to what other people in, in the community say and um, see what their track record is like, you know, um, how long have they been investing? What else, what do they do outside investing? Are they, are they focused 100% on investing? Um, do they do they do community work? Um, what, what, what's important to them? You know, what's their priorities in, the, in their life? Um, I often I'm interested to see whether they have a Christian faith or some other kind of faith. It's not a, obviously it's not a deal breaker, but that's a big plus for me if they if they have um, faith as well. Um, but yeah, it's just Mark. That's one thing Marco and Hadar have done extremely well is I've been very particular about who has been able to join the MIH community. So 
I would I would never invest with someone who I didn't know and have a long term relationship with. And by being an MIH, that that time frame is can be shrunk down because Marco and Hadar often have known these people for a long, long time, or someone else that they know and trust has known someone, this particular person, for a long, long time. So there really is that safety um, and that trust factor in a community like ours. Yes, you've still got to do your own due diligence on a particular person or everybody um, in, a, in a small team that you're going to invest with. Um, and at the end of the day, you've, it's your, you've got to be comfortable as well. But I sleep very well at night on my own. I don't worry about my properties. I don't think about you know, what, what's next or anything else. I, I think more about my New Zealand properties than I do actually what I'm doing in the States. And um, what kind of challenges did you face while investing for the first time in the first syndication deal in the US? It was pretty seamless, to be honest. Um, it was just understanding, you know, the, the goals and, and the um, the numbers in regards to the deal and and the reasons why they bought this particular property in Oklahoma. And um, so it was actually quite seamless. And because I'd spent about six or nine months actually seeing deals coming coming through and people getting, them getting snapped up, um, I'd, I'd, I, was, I didn't doubt the, the quality of the, of, the, of the products. It was actually quite hard in the early days not to want to jump in on a deal. Um, but I thought, you know what, I'll just get a bit more education. And I'd say, say to Hadar, Marco, should I get into this one? And they go, just wait a little bit longer in, just keep doing, keep meeting people, keep getting educated and yeah, we'll get you into a deal real soon. So I like that. I like the fact that they weren't just trying to get you in a deal straight away, that they wanted you to grow um, and um, get to know people before you started to invest. I really, really like that. And uh, what would you like to tell those investors who are foreign nationals who want to invest in US but never, never know how to do it? and never know how, if they are ready to invest in different country, maybe they're not comfortable. What would you like to tell them? Like, is it easy? Is it hard? What, what are the areas they need to focus? Well, the thing is, I think just about everybody that invests has got some sort of barriers, whether it's belief in themselves or they feel like they're living in a city or a state where they can't invest or whatever else. And it's no, no different for people in another country. So I guess you could think of New Zealand or somewhere else as a, diff as a different state. And um, but where there's a will, there's a way. So it's like if you don't know how to do something or you don't feel like you can, find someone who's actually doing it and pick up the phone or send them an email and say, hey, how did you get started? I would suggest that. And I'm more than happy to talk to um, anybody about that. And it's like the only limits we have are the ones we put on ourselves, right? So and I'm, I'm super motivated. I say to people all the time, get every meetup you can get to, get on it because you just don't know who you're going to meet, who you're going to be able to help or what you're going to learn. Um, so obviously I'm a bit, um, it's a bit harder for me here in New Zealand, but I try and get on as many um, Zoom calls as I can with people because uh, I want to keep that connection going. Uh, and I'm coming to the States next month. I mentioned before we started for I don't know, six or seven days to catch up with a whole bunch of people from MIH, which I'm super excited about. And, and pumped about that. Um, but I've, it's taken me two and a half years to get to the point to come over, you know? So sometimes delayed gratification is a big thing in, in multifamily. Like if you, if you want to join multifamily and you, and you want to be a millionaire by next Tuesday, it's probably not the place for you. But if you're willing to take the time, you know, get educated, build those relationships, um, get to know um, cities and, and, and suburbs and stuff in, in the States and be a go-giver. It's like 
how can you help other people? And if you take your eyes off yourself and put them on other people, you will do very well in the multifamily space, particularly somewhere like MIH. Yeah, just be ready for it and educate yourself and just learn, learn and take an action. Yeah, exactly. And at this point, the way economy is going, what kind of market trends are you seeing? What kind of uh, real estate deals are you seeing in the market right now? Well, I'm seeing well, from what I see from New Zealand here, and obviously it's different to people that live there and are in the cities, but I, I think maybe sellers' expectations are still relatively high. But I think, you know, there's going to be a lot more stress on a lot of lot of mum and dad um multifamily investors coming up. So I think that this year and, and next year, there's going to be some good deals out there, but it's all about getting it out in the market and, and looking for them and, and try not to believe everything you read on the news. Um, you know, so as what Buffett says, you know, when everybody's running in, run out. And when everybody's running out, run in. So I, I really believe the next couple of years are going to be great. But hey, you, you've got to do your due diligence. And I, I always think it's a great time to buy property with a single family or multifamily, it's just maybe some of your criteria and some of your rules have to change to, to adapt to that particular situation. But um, yeah, I'm excited about the next few years. Um, the years are going by so so quickly. I feel like I feel like I've been in MIH for more than two and a half years, but it's only it's only the beginning, you know, and I'm super excited about this. And it's in my blood. I love what's happening. I, I love seeing properties get transformed and the tenants in, enjoying better facilities because we've put some time and effort and thought into making their accommodation better. And um, it's, it's great seeing the numbers move up as, as well. And just to listen to some people like um, Chris Jackson at Sharpline and, and, and Marco speak about, and, and Hadar speak about MIH, but also Hadar and Marco were talking about his cooking and, and, um, and other, other things as well. And we've got a wellness chat within MIH. We've got a crypto chat within MIH as well. So we're not just all about um, multifamily, but obviously that's that's our core focus. But we're all about life and, and lifestyle. Um, Marco and Robert Musso have got um, a Facebook thing about um, traveling and eating well while you're traveling and all that kind of thing. So we really are not just an investing community, we're a lifestyle community and, and looking out to make each other's lives and others is the best lives that we can make them. Got it, got it. So real estate is about changing the lives. It is, it is, man. And it, it starts starts at home, you know, since I've been at MIH, I'm reading my Bible more. Uh, I hope I'm a better husband and a better father. And uh, and yeah, I just my perspective on what I can achieve and what I can do for others has, has grown since I've been in the MIH community. So you, you just, you level up in different areas, not just in being able to invest. So before we wrap this up, I have a couple more questions. So the ready for this. Imagine today is your last day on this planet. What message do you want to give to the world? Uh, I would say um, live every day like it's your last day. And um, yeah, just love people. Get out there. Have a, have a good meal. Get out in the sunshine. Do some exercise. Hug. Hug a lot of people. But we just don't know when our last day is, is going to be. And I know that I could do more in each day. So, oh, yeah, you know, like I'm looking forward to coming to the States, but I've got to live here right now and I've got to make this day the best day I, I can make it. Beautiful, beautiful. And smile more. Smile more. Like often the best things in life are free, right? Um, 
and it's like even when you you get in your groceries and ask ask the checkout person how's your day going, you probably one out of fifty people who actually says that to somebody. And uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where can they reach out to you? Yep, they can find me on 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 Facebook, um, and I'm sure you'll you'll put a link um, to my details as well. But yeah, more than happy to talk to anybody in the states, or particularly anybody who doesn't live in in the states who is thinking about investing in America. Be more than happy to share my story with them so far and see if I can help in some way. Perfect, perfect. All right, thank you so much, Ian, and thank you for your time. And I will see you another one. Awesome, Aman. Thanks so much again for having me on, my friend. I look forward to seeing you soon. All right, thank you. Thank you for joining us on The Real Deal, a commercial real estate investing podcast. The show that covers everything to do with multifamily real estate investing to help you become an expert in your real estate ventures. We're here to help you create passive income and financial freedom so that you can achieve what you want whenever you want. We'll catch you next time on The Real Deal.